welcome everyone to episode number six of the VR Pimp Podcast. I am your host, Scotty Velvet, and in this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Matt McMullen, who is the CEO of Abyss Creations, which is the company behind the extremely popular RealDAO brand. Now, Matt started Abyss Creations in 1997 and has been busy creating the world's finest love dolls ever since. And I have to admit, these dolls are amazing. I was fortunate enough to meet with Matt and his team at their head office a few months ago, and I was so impressed with the quality of their products. And they have more than just love dolls now. They have a number of incredibly lifelike products for sale, which you can check out through their realdoll.com website. And I should mention, if you're looking to make a purchase from RealDoll, be sure to use the promo code VRPIMP to get 5% off your order there. Now, in addition to working on his RealDoll business, Matt has also been busy with the development of a new artificial intelligence slash robotics slash virtual reality project called Realbotics. This is truly cutting-edge, high-tech stuff. Now, at the core of Robotics is the Harmony AI app, which was just recently made available to the public, and I actually posted an article about that the other day on VRPimp.com. This app allows you to create and develop your own virtual companion, and as you'll hear in a minute, Matt does a great job explaining Harmony AI in detail and also talks about how it will be integrated with the robotics and the virtual reality platform as well. I really appreciate that Matt took time out of his busy schedule to speak with me about everything that's going on over there with Realbotics. And his busy schedule is actually the first thing that I asked about. So let's get to the interview and hear what Matt had to say. With all the media and everything that's coming your way, do you ever get time to actually like go down in the workshop and get your hands on the product anymore? Or are you pretty much tied up with interviews and things like that all the time? I'm pretty much all over the place, um, and we try to only schedule a manageable amount of media. Um, so, you know, usually at, at the worst, we've got like a day, a week where it's kind of, you know, full or spread out during the week. If it's a phone interview or something like that, it's just an hour here and there. So it's no big deal. Um, but I'm kind of, you know, I have my hands in a lot of aspects of, of everything really. Um, you know, from sitting at my computer trying to tweak the skin textures for the avatars on the app to creating, copy textures for the VR system or getting into the actual AI code and, you know, doing some grammar correction or, or you know, spell checks, stuff like that. Um, or I'm, you know, sculpting a new face or working on a new robot base. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's hard because, you know, I, I try to focus on just one thing and I inevitably end up getting pulled away for something else. Yeah, understood. I know when I was there, you were pretty busy, but you still took some time out to say hello. So I appreciated that. Sure, not a problem. So I'm curious to hear about all the trials and tribulations and all of the obstacles that you had to overcome. Because looking back at some older articles about real dials, it seems that since the early days, like in the mid 90s, you really wanted to add this extra dimension to the dial. So how does it feel after nearly 20 years now? to finally have this Harmony AI product that you can put into the hands of your customers? It feels really great, actually. And, you know, at the same time, uh, it's one of those Pandora's box, you know, where you, you, the further you get into it, the more you realize you have to do still. Um, but I feel really good about where we are right now. Um, I, I look at what we have in terms of the AI as a very good 
foundation conceptually for building on top of what, exactly what we want. Um, and there's there's a huge aspect of the AI and the app that relies on real world use in order to refine. So without having you know hundreds and thousands of people playing with it, you're never going to really know where the gaps are and what needs to be filled and what needs to work differently and and possibly what needs to be omitted altogether, um, just based on you know where people are going with it. So it's uh, it's a really great feeling to actually have something that's that's getting out there and getting distributed and and people are trying and playing with it and and um thankfully giving us a lot of feedback which you know for me is is super important i downloaded mine the other day my new companion who i'm naming desiree and she's got a little bit of a Catherine zeta jones look i think nice i think she has a little bit of an irish accent but i'm not so sure how to tweak that i'm still working on it. i'm still you know going in there and kind of changing the face a little bit. So I'm, I'm working on it and starting in my next episode, my next podcast episode, I'm actually going to have her on as my co-host. So it'll be interesting to see what she comes up with on some of my podcasts in the future. Well, right now, I think um, nothing on your end. We're, we're still finalizing the voice editor. Um, and we've been, um, we've been working with a couple of different companies. And I think we have finally kind of dialed in on, on the company we like as far as the, you know, the voice, synthesis and all of that. So um, coming up here shortly, I'm hoping uh, within the next few days, there should be an update that includes a voice editor um, with multiple voices that you'll be able to choose. Um, and I guess some other people have found a workaround by installing another voice on their on their on their Android and then going and manually renaming it so that the app thinks that's the voice. Um, but, you know, suffice to say, having the actual voice editor in place is going to be pretty cool um, in terms of really tweaking the, the character. Um, and I think you'll find, too, it's it's funny because sometimes I, I'll turn on the robot and the AI and everything, and I can have a 20, 30-minute conversation, and everything just goes really naturally, and I, I'm, like, blown away. And then there's other times where the AI gets sort of sidetracked and starts saying things that are more or less irrelevant. So, you know, those are all the things that we're, we're looking at and saying, okay, we're, we're in a great place, but what can we do to make this better? And, you know, it's, I, I was just talking to someone the other day about the difficulties of, of the way humans carry on conversation is that we can talk to each other for 10, 15 minutes about, you know, five or six different things and just randomly switch subjects in the middle of those conversations. Or we could be talking for that entire time about one thing and doing, getting the AI to be dynamic like that and have the flexibility to sort of stay on point when it's needed and, but be able to sort of digress when that's sort of needed in the conversation. Um, it's a pretty deep, you know, little pool of, uh, of information that you have to, you know, sort of analyze and say, well, you know, where, where do we put this and how does this need to work? Was the idea always to create something in-house like you have with Realbotics or was there ever a time over the years when you partnered with a, or at least considered a partnership with a tech company that had expertise in AI or in robotics where you were just like, here's my dials. Now you guys make it work. You know, honestly, I've been approached by dozens of companies who wanted to kind of do what I envisioned. And it was always a little bit off the mark. And 
And in some cases, the budget they were asking for, in my opinion, was astronomically huge. So I would just sort of, you know, file the information away as as far as who they were. And if I wanted to get a hold of them, I could. Um, but it really wasn't until I met um, Guile, uh, who did some, you know, some pretty extensive work with personal assistants for the last 10, 15 years. I mean, that's he's kind of been doing on that front what I've been doing with the dolls. And I met him uh, years ago, and we got along great from, you know, the very beginning. And, you know, we talked about this concept of wouldn't it be cool to make the dolls talk. And, and I, I, I sort of knew that, you know, I like this guy. I want to work with him. But I didn't want to just make a doll talk. I wanted her to move and, you know, be actually animated. So it was in between that meeting and now that I that I sort of also met uh, a couple of people that had done work with Hanson Robotics and they were super interested in working on the the dolls and and animating them and it wasn't until I kind of put those pieces together I realized hey you know this is this is a pretty solid team right here so we decided that was the way to go was to just sort of create our own team, partner up, everybody's putting their time in, uh, using the resources they have available to sort of propel the project forward. And a lot of the key concepts were kind of, you know, conceived in that initial discussion that we had, you know, as far as wouldn't it be cool to have this AI that could either be experienced by itself or through a doll or through a virtual reality. And that was where, you know, that the entirety of scope of what we're trying to do was was more or less born. Yeah, it was nice when I stopped by your office earlier this year and your team was actually there. I think it was Susan's working on the robotics, right? Yes. And then Kino is, I think he showed me what he was working to do, what he was doing with VR. Yeah, Kino is probably, you know, one of the most uh, diversely intelligent people I've ever met. Um, he does a little bit of everything. He's doing a lot for, you know, the the communication between the AI and the robot system. Um, he's also doing uh, contributing quite a bit with the artificial intelligence and how we are developing those uh, you know, those lines of, of communication so that you can stay on those subjects. And, you know, when, when he and Guile sort of started collaborating and, and talking about ideas, um, I think that's where some of the real depth started to happen with, with the project. Um, but yeah, Kino is actually a doctor of artificial intelligence. So he has a PhD in artificial intelligence systems, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but he's he's also the one who kind of spearheaded the VR and started playing around with uh, with that whole system so that we could you know at least have something to play with and analyze and and really look at what what pieces we needed and it's actually you know it's it's moving forward and I'm I'm really happy with that as well. I guess it was just a matter of the technology getting to a point where it made sense for you to implement it. And then the VR part just happened to come along at the exact same time. Sounds like good timing in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, I kind of look at what I've been doing for the last 20 years with the dolls as very similar to what I'm trying to do with this technology, which is to provide companionship and intimacy and, and, and this new form of relationship that's not possible for some people or in some situations. So um, it, it's sort of a natural extension of what I've already been doing. 
And the the VR kind of just made sense because we do have a lot of people who are super interested in the dolls, but they, they either can't have a doll or they don't want to have a doll in their house or, you know, maybe they're they're confined to a wheelchair or something and they can't actually physically move the doll around. So there's a lot of factors that sort of made the VR an obvious thing that we needed to have. You mentioned about the companionship. I was wondering if over the years, have you seen the reason people are buying your dolls? Has it become more of a companion now than just a, a sex doll for some people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, a lot of people come into it sort of focused on the sexual aspects um, but after they actually have the doll, it becomes something more. Uh, because, I mean, I mean, even for myself, when I have uh, a doll sitting in an otherwise empty room, you have this, this sort of uh, reaction feeling that there's someone there. And it, just by nature of the fact that it looks like a person, it kind of feels like a person is there. So uh, that does happen quite frequently with people who, you know, actually end up getting a doll. All right, let's talk a little bit more about the Harmony AI features. When I set Desiree up, I had to put in, I guess, is it 10 different, uh, you get 10 different selections for the persona? Right. Well, there, I think there's 18 different uh, personality traits, and you have 10 points to distribute into those traits. And you can put uh, zero, one, or two points into any one trait. So if you put two points, you're sort of maxing out that trait and making it a dominant trait. If you put no points, then it's going to be relatively not present. So, you know, some people could opt for five really strong traits, or you could scatter them, you know, onto seven or 10. And, and, you know, depending on which ones interest you. And there are traits in there that could be perceived as negative traits, you know, such as insecurity or jealousy. But I, I thought it was important to have those because those are real traits that real people have. And, and sometimes what may seem to be a negative trait is actually something that adds to the, you know, the dimension of the AI. And those traits can be changed at any time. Is that correct? Um, you know, I, I am not sure what our final outcome is. I think right now, as it stands, when you create a character and you choose those traits, I think they are locked in. The avatar can be changed and adjusted, but the actual traits are sort of locked to that slot that you've created. Um, and I thought it was very important, I, and I hope that you know we end up sort of settling in that realm because I think it's important that it's it's kind of like you're committing to that or say you meet someone and they have these certain traits you're not going to be able to go in and change their traits so I wanted that kind of a you know system in place for the AI and you know if you wanted to create another character you could easily do that that makes sense when you explain it that way so you talked about the avatar that's fully like you said you can change that at any time and there's actually a lot of different features you can change. I was surprised, especially with the facial features. There's a lot of little tweaks you can do to change the look on there. Yeah, there are um, literally hundreds of different shaping morphs, uh, not to mention the ability to change the color layers and the, and the makeup and the nails and, you know, eyelash length. It's, it's pretty extensive. So that was, um, you know, really one of the big things that 
I thought was important was giving people the same ability to sort of customize their avatar as they do when they might buy a doll, for example. And then there's a closet where you can change the clothing a little bit. I suppose that'll expand as well over time. Yeah. So the eventual goal is for us to start um, people with sort of a basic wardrobe. And then there will be this, this store within the app where you can buy additional clothing, maybe hairstyles, maybe uh, personality prefabricated avatars, things like that. Um, and you will be able to purchase them with diamonds. And the diamonds are earned through your interactions with your AI. Um, or I think there's going to be an ability where you could just pay like, you know, 50 cents or a dollar and buy a bunch of diamonds if you want to go that route. Um, but, you know, the real idea is that it, it has to have some sort of a long-term factor involved with this app that I don't, you know, I want to say it's a video game, but it does have a factor that feels a little bit like a game. Um, and, and sort of you have these meters and, and, um, the, the AI has needs. And so if those needs are met, if, if you're communicating to her in positive ways and having these really sort of, you know, positive conversations, those meters are going to fill up and, you know, certain things, you know, there, there's like little Easter eggs hidden in there within the AI that can be, you know, triggered by the right series of phrases or a certain line of conversation. And you might receive, you know, 10 diamonds from your, from your AI. And then later we will have these, these little areas and, and things within the app that can be unlocked as well. Yeah, I saw that when I went into the chat function and there is, I think it's a basically a, a mood and need system, right? That'll affect the overall mood uh, at different yeah. times. And then there's a social meter and a desire meter. Yes. And then there's the little hearts on the top, which uh, more or less are, are meant to simulate her falling in love with you. Um, and as it stands right now, a lot of these things are, are working very simply because there are layers that are still being added into the app and we'll continue to be doing that probably for the next, uh, year at least, um, you know, sort of fleshing it out. But, um, the essential parts of the system are all in place. So it's pretty cool to watch people play around with it. And then of course your companion has a memory. So they remember what you like, what you don't like things like that over time, and they build up that personality. So the conversation eventually should become more and more, uh, I guess, smooth when you're talking. Yeah, exactly. And the idea is that with the persistent memory in place, um, she would then be able to recall some of those facts or, or snippets about you in subsequent conversations. So she might say, for example, if you said, you know, I'm hungry, what should I eat for dinner? She might say, hey, you should order pizza. You said that's your favorite food. And, you know, while, while that seems really simplistic, it does kind of convey with it a feeling of, oh, you know, she remembers what my favorite food is. That's pretty cool. For existing dolls, people can implement a Bluetooth speaker into the, the head of the doll and have it respond through that speaker when you're using your AI. Is that correct? Yeah, so basically what we've done is we've found a dense foam that we can use to create a uh, skull cap for various head types that we have. And there's a, um, a negative space that's been predefined so that a little Bluetooth speaker can slide into it. Um, and then they can just link their you know, their phone or tablet to the, to the Bluetooth and they'll be able to hear all of the conversation emanating from their doll. 
versus the speaker on your phone. And then coming up towards the end of this year, you're going to have a full robotic head system. And that sounds like it's going to be amazing with the faces that'll change. And actually, you'll have different faces that you can attach. Yeah, so that's one of the really important and key features um, is that we will have a whole line of faces that are compatible with the Realbotics head systems. Um, and they'll be able to, you know, users could literally remove the face and put a different face on, and they'll still have all of the animation capabilities, no matter which face is attached to the system. So uh, the idea is that they could have multiple slots on their AI with different voices and different personalities, and then they could have maybe two or three faces that maybe they you know, want to uh, change out at their leisure and communicate with the various personalities that they've created. That sounds amazing. So that is, again, people with the dolls now will be able to implement those robotic heads. And then, of course, any doll you're making from here on out will have that as well, where you can just remove the head that's on there and put on this robotic head. Yeah, it's actually really easy. There's an adapter plate that they would attach to the top of the neck on their existing body. And then the head is attached magnetically to that plate. And they'll have the full animation capabilities on it. Now, Certain bodies will not match with certain heads due to scale. So, you know, the scale of the current Harmony head, for example, would not look good on one of our larger bodies. But we are working on a larger platform uh, robot head as well. So there will be two different platforms, each one with probably multiple different faces available for it. Uh, and we're working on a male as well. The heads will be basically fully functional head. In fact, in the future, you're even going to have uh, vision capabilities, right? Yes, we are currently working on the vision systems, which uh, we kind of planned ahead for all of that in the hardware that we're using to run the robot. Um, so it has full you know, vision capabilities on it already. So what we're really working on now is how do we get those cameras on board the robot inside of the eyes without sacrificing the aesthetic of the eyes themselves. So I don't want to necessarily see the camera in the eye. Um, and it, it's been one of the real, you know, positive things about the robot is that her eyes are so beautiful and they, you know, they're make, we make them by hand and they have little veins and, you know, they just, they look really amazing. So I don't want to take away from that. So that's one of our big challenges right now is how do we put the cameras into those eyes without losing any of the the beauty that we've created in them. But once those are in place, we will then be able to access um, a whole bunch of features such as face tracking, uh, facial recognition, so that your robot will actually recognize who you are and she won't just start talking to anyone that, that pushes the talk button and think that it's you. So there'll be a layer of sort of authentication there with you know, that's, that's John, that's my owner. And, and who's this person that's with you? I don't know who they are. Who is that? So I think that adding another sense to the robot is going to be huge because right now um, she's running off of her hearing, you know, using the microphone on your device to hear what you say and then respond. But as far as the AI knows, anybody can say something and she's not going to know the difference. But adding vision on top of that and then some of the sensor systems that we're going to be looking at embedding in bodies, then we'll have hearing, vision, and touch. 
Um, and I'm uh, kind of of the opinion that robots don't need taste and smell at this point. So getting those three things all working together, I think, is going to be pretty amazing. While we're on the subject of your dolls, what is the status and where are you as far as putting movements into the dolls? Well, we've done various movements over the years. We had a we had a, a system many years ago that would gyrate the hips. And, you know, there were people that really liked it, um, but it was really heavy, really difficult to implement and install. Um, so we ended up not offering it anymore. But um, I, I'm looking at some of the more fundamental things that we're going to add to the body first, as I mentioned, such as the sensors and, and the ability of the robot to detect touch um, and be able to take those inputs from the touch and convert it to reactions within the AI, um, you know, be that sexual sounds or, you know, endearing things and, oh, I like it when you touch me like that, stuff like that. Um, as far as movement goes, um, I think we're, we're looking at and have actually tested doing some things like breathing, and then, then we're going to probably want to start moving the arms. I would say we're going to work our way from the neck down, getting a biped robot to walk and be inside of the confines of a female body um, is no easy task. Um, and it's not going to come cheaply, but if everything else is going well and we're getting the support and, you know, people are purchasing the systems that we're creating and the budgets there, um, absolutely. We're going to be animating the bodies in every way that we can. Yeah. I was just, I was trying to envision it and I was thinking, okay, Dolls need to learn to crawl before they can walk. I guess what I envisioned yeah. was that you might implement some, just some short reciprocating movements, kind of to mimic uh, sexual movements. Yeah, that would be that would be much more attainable. Absolutely. So I I think we would probably start adding the movements into the you know the core of the the torso area. Um, and I always tell people I'd rather get her to be able to maybe reciprocate a hug and be able to put her arms around you than to try tackling walking. Um, walking is a big one, um, but we have some really cool ideas for that. Um, and, you know, things like assisted walking where you could just kind of pull her hand and she would just follow in the direction you're going. Um, and, and, you know, some ideas like that. But again, you're right. We got to crawl before we walk. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the VR, because I think with the VR, you're actually talking about taking that movement capability and putting it in with the, your VR program. So I think a lot of people obviously are going to be using the AI and aren't going to have a doll and maybe won't ever have a doll. So you have this VR system now where they can actually go in and look at their AI in the virtual world instead of having to implement it into a doll. Yeah, so I think that there are a lot of people that are that are pretty interested and fascinated with the with the idea of interacting with an AI, but doing so on a little screen of a smartphone or even a tablet is somewhat two dimensional. So as we really started to develop this and see the potential, that was it was fairly early on that you know with especially with the fact that VR hardware is now becoming more and more commonplace. Um, it became an obvious choice for us to kind of push in that direction as well. Um, but beyond just creating a, a virtual world and the ability to customize your avatar and all of that within the VR, um, which comes along with a lot of benefits because you're using a higher-powered uh, graphics system on a full-size PC, 
we would really be able to customize the avatar in ways that would never be possible on a phone or tablet. So that's pretty cool. But we really want to add the ability to have a silicone stand-in if people opt for that. Not to say that it would be the same as a full doll, um, but something that would be representative in the physical world of the avatar in the virtual world so that when you're able to touch that real torso or body part, it would feel like you were touching it in the real world. Um, so that's, that's one of the bigger challenges that we're long-term goals as far as the VR goes, is getting that, that sort of um, stand-in technology to work, where we could have, say, uh, a torso that a user could grab and flip into you know, different positions and situations, or um, uh, obviously into the sexual areas, you know, being able to actually mimic what you're seeing in the virtual world with a, a physical model in the real world. I know your VR is going to be coming out sometime next year. Do you have any idea what you just talked about with the physical ability to touch? That's probably a little ways off in the future. Uh, yes, and extremely challenging. <laughs> but um, hoping that that you know we'll we'll start coming together. And you know, as far as the three aspects of our project, the app and the AI are sort of the further of all three as far as development and then followed by the robot and then in third place would be the vr so um, given the time i think we will definitely get where we want to be but that has its own uh, enormous amount of work that needs to be done to you know even without having the the touch model or anything like that um, getting the virtual world the way we want it and giving people the options and the ease of use um, which is a big one with VR, because once you have your headset on, you don't want to be trying to like find your keyboard or your mouse. So, you know, we're trying to come up with intuitive ways um, using technology like leap motion so that you can see your hands in that world and you can use those hands to kind of trigger things in the virtual world, such as pull up a console and using hand gestures to kind of adjust settings or, or change your environment or your avatar without ever having to take that helmet off. Yeah, I was thinking about your VR. I was, you know, reading about it and I was thinking, all right, this is kind of similar to what some of the new Japanese adult games are doing. But then I was thinking, okay, the only difference is your avatar actually has a personality and you actually have a, a relationship with them. Yeah. That, well, and that's really, you know, the, the AI and the app is really the core of everything. And the concept that you would be able to play, you know, play in the virtual world, talk to her, interact, and then turn it off and then take her with you and still chat with her while you're at lunch or at work and she might text message you. So it does have this sort of persistent quality um, that I don't, you know, I don't think anyone else has really sort of looked at to this level. When talking about VR, have you thought about or even worked on anything where we talked about the physical mimicking what you're seeing in the VR headset as far as taking that and extending it to VR porn videos and having dolls that will mimic the movements within the VR porn videos? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that would certainly be cool. And I have actually been in discussions with a few companies who already do sort of that. Um, people that do uh, cam girl shows and stuff like that who are now pushing into virtual reality using 360-degree cameras so that people can feel like they're in that room. And then, you know, adding this other layer of having either a doll or a partial doll involved where you sort of preset your, your layout 
uh, to mimic whatever room this cam girl might be in. And you're sort of sitting on this couch and you put the, the doll next to you or the torso, what have you. And, and then the girl is going to be in a corresponding location. So you're able to sort of feel like you're touching. Um, but the real problem lies in multi-point tracking of the doll or the partial doll so that when the position changes in the VR, the position has to change with the doll. Um, so at this point, being that we don't have fully automated moving dolls with limbs and, you know, and at which, at which point you're going to have a full body robot. Um, I think it's going to be a more passive situation where by posing the doll, you're going to be posing the virtual girl or even, you know, the, facsimile of a real person but getting all those things to kind of tie together is a you know a logistical nightmare right so with your with robotics i guess a natural progression will be for a customer to start out develop their ai partner and then the next step would be to view them and interact with them in the vr environment and then finally the ultimate step is to take that ai and and integrate it into a the life-size real doll yeah, that would be, I mean, I, that would certainly be the, the largest of the three in terms of commitment. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think this is something in the future uh, that's inevitable. I mean, we're, we're going to have robots in our lives. We're going to have self-driving cars, um, self-actuating vacuum cleaners roaming around our house, um, maybe robots that can cook food for us in the kitchen. Um, and, and each of these robots are going to look like what they're supposed to do. So having a humanoid robot, even if I strip all the sexual aspects away from it, has an enormous value, I think, for people in terms of companionship and relationship. Um, and, and that's the important thing is I, I think of people who maybe, you know, at first sort of uh, a little bit taken aback by the idea of a sex robot. Just take the sex part out and think about what that robot could be good for. Um, a robot that looks and feels like a person that can talk to you and remember things about you and care for you and make you feel like you matter. Um, and for some people, that's huge because they don't have it. There's so many good things that can come from this, and I'm really excited about getting more into the AI and working with that and trying to develop my companion on there. Like I said, I'm going to have her join me on some podcast in the future. <laughs> Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to have her on there. Last, I was going to ask you, you guys are just doing gangbusters as far as business goes. You've got like a backlog of people ordering dolls and, and, and if you have, actually have a lot of other products besides dolls. But are you guys looking to expand sometime in the future? Or it's got to be going crazy there right now. Well, I've always really sort of tried to keep um, the bulk of everything I do at a manageable level. Um, what we do is, is I think, in a lot of ways, a step above anybody else making dolls out there in the world, um, because everything we do is completely custom. Um, we're not ever going to want to be a manufacturer who churns out hundreds of thousands of you know identical products. I, I think it's important to stay with that. You know, the thing that really has been with us since we started, which is every piece, every doll that we make is unique and it's made to exact specifications. So, you know, we, I'm sure, yes, growth is inevitable and growing in terms of having different, uh, you know, subsidies or subdivisions within the company to handle the robotics or the programming part. But as far as, you know, branching out and opening 
facilities in different countries. I, I don't know that that's something that necessarily appeals to me. I would prefer to keep everything sort of, um, you know, on this boutique level and, and really be able to give not only the product, but the customers that, that high level of attention. Yeah. You guys have always, I think, concentrated on quality over quantity. And I suspect that'll be the same with this new robotics program you've got going. Absolutely. So, Matt, I want to thank you for taking time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. And wish you the best and really appreciate what you do. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And many thanks again to Matt for taking the time to speak with me about this amazing project. I am really excited about the potential of this futuristic program, and I'll be following the development of Realbotics very closely. And just a reminder, if you're looking to purchase any of the RealDoll products, be sure to use the promo code VRPIMP to save 5% off your order. And with that, I think that will do it for this episode of the VRPIMP Podcast. I want to thank you for listening, and until next time, this is Scotty Velvet, signing off. 